John chapter 5 and verse 1. As we've been reading through and studying the Gospel of John, we see the day-by-day sort of account at the beginning of Christ's ministry as John uh, tells us about Christ's public ministry. And here um, in John chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in this case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. As we take a look at this story and we take a look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, we see the compassion of Jesus Christ for humanity. We see here in just this small story kind of a snapshot of humanity and and there was a great number, a great multitude of people gathered around this pool with very little hope. Would you agree with that? That they were sitting there uh, with just a hope, just a little bit of hope that maybe one time that they would be the one that would be able to get into the pool at just the right time, be able to beat everybody else and be the one that get in there. And I would say today that if you look around, it doesn't take all that much looking. It is pretty evident in the world today that there is a great multitude of hurting people. There is a great multitude of people just trying to learn how to cope with their pain. Whatever type of pain that may be. Now, we've already been studying and we know for sure that Jesus Christ, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to help those. Listen, He said in John chapter 3 that Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. He said, listen, the world was already condemned. They were already in their sin. They were already feeling the pain of sin and the problems of sin. He said, but I have come that you might be saved. Jesus Christ came not only, but He also did come for the concerns and the problems of men and women's temporary issues. Would you agree with that? That He took care of of those that hunger. Uh, temporary problems, but Jesus Christ came to take care of the eternal issue, the eternal problem, in which Jesus Christ knew was the most important problem. He says later in this passage, 
He says later in the passage of John chapter 5 and verse 28, he says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is come in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, that uh, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. We see Jesus Christ in His teaching and His preaching was consistently and constantly concerned on the eternal well-being of individuals. It is no coincidence that Jesus Christ in His ministry spoke more about hell than any other of the prophets or preachers in the Word of God or the writers of the Word of God because that was His concern for us is our eternal well-being. Look at Luke chapter 16, a familiar story. Luke chapter 16, Jesus Christ tells this. Of, you say, what, do you, what are we talking about? We're talking about the condition of our neighbors. We're talking about the condition of the world and the condition of our friends without the hope of Jesus Christ in which we are the light of the world. In which we are those that have the good news of Jesus Christ. He says in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, he says, There was a certain rich man which was, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried and by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the finger of, uh, his finger of water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. In this story we see that the, the, uh, 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 this problem of sin sickness, we see this problem of, of, of uh, uh, our eternal destiny is not just a problem of those that are poor, it's not just a problem of those that are in prison, it's, you don't have to just find those that are in, 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 in low estate, but this is a problem that affects people in high society, it affects people in every type of society, uh, we see hurting people. We see people that are affected and see the effects of sin that every person, no matter what state they're in, no matter where they're at in life, they need Jesus Christ. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ as the answer for our sin sickness. It's the answer for the plight of humanity. Without Jesus Christ, without that, we are lost, we are in darkness we are, you can look around society, we see people that are, that are sin sick, that are just sick, sick. They have, we talked last week about being mind sick, just plain needing hope, right? It, you don't have to go to the pool of Bethesda is what I'm saying, to see people in these conditions. You can see them in your neighborhoods. These are people that we run into and, and have interaction with at work. These are people that are in pain, that have no hope, that are just trying to cope with the pain with a little bit. You know what they're waiting on? Look at verse 3. You're John chapter 3. Turn back to John chapter 5, excuse me, in verse 3. John chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible says, And a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, of halt, withered, 
waiting for the moving of the water. You know what people are doing? They're just waiting on something to change. They're just waiting on something to change. Isn't that it? They, they, they think that maybe somebody somewhere is just going to have a magical word, that just something's going to happen, right? They're just waiting on their what? Their spouse to change. If my husband would just be, then, then I'd be happy, right? If my wife would just, if my kids would just, if my employer, if, if all these sort of things we say, uh, if something would just happen, if, if I'm just waiting on like hitting the lottery of life, right? I'm just sitting here waiting for my circumstances to change. Just waiting. Some folks are just waiting on this election to happen. Listen, if you're waiting on this election to happen to see if your life's getting better, I am sorry for you because we're in trouble. Hey, listen, even I'm, you know, don't, no disrespect, but if Lincoln himself was running for president, if we don't have Jesus Christ in our life, we're still in trouble. Our, our, if you think that by, by, by whoever's in power is going to change our spiritual well-being, it is not. Whoever is in power, listen, here's, here's the truth. It won't, it, it, all the stories in the Bible, look at, look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. Did he, did he, did he, did he thrive spiritually imprisoned in, in Egypt under Pharaoh? He did, didn't he? How about Daniel in captivity in Babylon under a pagan ruler and pagan king? Did Daniel thrive in that situation? Listen, my point is if you're just waiting on something to change for you to change, you might be waiting a long time. Think of Paul and all the ministry that he did under Nero. Think of Esther. She had to marry a pagan king that was trying to wipe out her people. And what did Esther do? Did she just sit around and hope that something would change? No. She put herself before God and her people before God and began to seek after God to change things. You know what folks are sitting on? They're just just sitting, waiting for their life to change, right? I'm just hoping things will get better. Now we'd say, but doesn't the Bible tell us to wait? Doesn't the Bible tell us to wait on the Lord? Doesn't the Bible tell us to rest on the Lord? Yeah, the Bible does tell us to wait and to rest in the Lord. But I think that maybe in some ways we have the definition of wait a little bit off. Listen, if I'm waiting on a bus, I'm going to wait at the bus station. About the time that the bus is going to show up and I'm hopefully going to have a ticket. In other words, if I'm waiting on a bus, I'm expecting a bus. Would you agree with that? If I'm waiting on a bus, I have some anticipation that a bus is going to show up. In other words, I have a little bit of faith. If we're waiting on God, you know what we got to do? We got to expect God to show up. We've got to, in our mind, we've got to say, He's coming by my way. I know He's going to deliver me. Not I hope He's going to deliver me. Because I serve the one true and living God, I know, I know that He is going to save me. He is going to deliver me. He is going to take me out of my trouble, out of my circumstances that I am in. And if He leaves me here, it is for my own good. I expect, 
expecting the Lord to show up. I'm anticipating Him. I believe that He will come. I have faith and belief. I'm not just waiting on something to change. I'm expecting something to change because God is working in my life. Listen, this week, how many of you, I mean really in us, are expecting God to work in our life? Why wouldn't He work in our life? Right? Why wouldn't He show up? Why wouldn't He answer our prayers? He's our loving Father. He hears our prayers. Why wouldn't He? You say, the, the, the problems that I'm facing right now, and all of us are facing problems, I'm sure. The problem that I'm facing right now, why wouldn't He be at work in, in, in our life and working on these things in our direction, in our future? Believing God. Believing God. You know, so many, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why is it that we're able to walk and run without fading? Is because we're waiting or we are expecting, anticipating God in our lives. Waking up in the morning, expecting Him. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So is He there? Is He with you? Is He with us? That's a good question to ask. Is the Lord with you? Well, of course He is. If you're a child of God, if His Spirit indwells you, if you've been born again, He is with you. And so we can expect Him. We can anticipate Him. We can fellowship with Him day in and day out. We don't just have to wait on the lottery of life, but we can trust in the one true God. To lead us and guide us. You know, so many folks in their Christian life, they say, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. You know, they mean like, I feel like I'm, I'm like the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. But let me ask you this. Why were the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness? God told them to go into the promised land. His perfect will for them was to go and take this land that when the spies went and saw it, they said it flows with milk and honey. Two guys had to carry one cluster of grapes between a staff, between a, a, a staff between them. It was flowing with milk and honey. They said this is the promised land. But what stopped them from going in? Ten of the twelve spies said that there's giants in the land. There's walled cities. We're going to have to fight. We're going to have to go into battle. Listen, in our Christian life, God said He'd be with us. He said He'd never leave us nor forsake us. But He doesn't say that we're not going to have to go through some battles. That we're not going to have to go through some troubles and trials. So you know what the nation of Israel did? They decided to to begin to doubt God and not believe God. This is after God had just took them out of Egypt with the most powerful hand. Delivered them from Pharaoh. And they begin to worry and they begin to doubt and they begin to fear. And what happened? Because of that, they begin to wander 40 years. Let me ask you, when Joshua took the people into the promised land 40 years later, did they have to fight? Did they have to go to battle? They still had to go to battle. He didn't take the battle away from them, but he was with them through it. Turn there just for a second. Just to that passage where people were wandering in the wilderness. Numbers, Numbers chapter 14. This is the story in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14. I mean, here's an interesting thought. I thought about this the other day. Even though the Lord had the children of Israel wander in the wilderness, was the Lord still with them? 
even though they wandered in the wilderness, God, the merciful, loving God that He is, He still fed them daily with manna from heaven. We have a wonderful God that even when we're wandering in our own unbelief, He still provides our needs. Would you agree with that? Even when we're wandering in our own fear, in our own doubt, not moving forward and taking the next step of faith, taking the ground that God would have us to take, uh, He still is with us and won't leave us nor forsake us. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 22. This is after they had... uh, Listen to this. This story is such an interesting... Ten doubters... Ten doubters out of 12 spies caused probably a million plus people to fear after they, with their own eyes, saw what God had just done. Ten people with with negative, bad reports caused a whole nation to turn turn from God. Listen, you've got to be careful who you listen to. People with all the negative, fear-based, all this constant stuff. My goodness, this is not, as children and followers of Jesus Christ... We have a God that can do anything. And if He says go into the promised land, my goodness, it doesn't matter what the spies saw. Go into the promised land. He says in verse, He says, where are we? Um, Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, 22. Because all those men which had seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. He said, listen, they saw all these miracles. They saw all these things. And now they've listened to these ten men's negative report instead of my voice. He says, surely, verse 23, they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. And had followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. You know what he says? Listen, this Joshua and Caleb, they had another spirit. They saw the same thing that the other ten guys saw, but you know what? They came away with a different perspective. Why? Because they had faith in God. They had faith in God's Word. Hey, listen, how about some Christians? How about some Christians with another spirit? That when we see the impossible, we say we have a God that can do the impossible. When we see the thing in life that is fearful, because it's the unknown, that doesn't just cause us to wait and say, let somebody else do it. Or let somebody else come along and help. But with me and God, we are the majority. You see in the, in the passage there in John chapter 5, he, he, begins, he begins to say, you know, I'm waiting on someone to help me. That's what he's saying. I'm waiting on someone to help me. He says, when it, when it comes time to go in, I have no man here to help me. And, uh, and listen, if, if in your circumstances, in your life, you're waiting on somebody else to change for your life to be different, you may be waiting a long time. I've already said it, waiting on your spouse, waiting on, I need my children to do this, I need my employees, or I need my employer to do this, I need, you know, the president to do this. No, 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 we need God. That's all we need. Is that not true? As followers of Jesus Christ, we need God. We need the Lord in our lives. Finally, for this man, somebody came along that could do something. 
I mean, somebody came along that could do something about his problem. You know what? When Jesus comes along, this guy didn't need an angel to stir the water. He had the man that created the angels came along. Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And and it's interesting what he says to this man in verse 6. Jesus said unto him, uh, and knew that he had been now a long time in this case, and saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? What a question, right? It's like, do you want to be better? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be better? Jesus wanted to know, hey, do you really want this? I, you know, so many times today, some people have gotten comfortable in their trouble. Some folks have just gotten comfortable in their problems that, that stepping out by faith and going into the promised land is more scary than staying in their predicament. Would you agree with that? Some folks would just say, you know what, I'll just stay right here. I'll just lay right here because at least here I know what's coming. Though it's not good, I can complain about it and I can keep complaining about it and I'll just go on with my life making excuses. And that's exactly what this guy does. When Jesus says to him in verse 6, wilt thou be made whole, the guy could have simply said what? Yes. But what does he say? He says, uh... I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm uh, coming, another step down before me. What does he do? He makes an excuse. He says, listen, would you be made whole? Would you be made better? And he says, no, uh, I would, but, but, this other thing. I would, but all these other circumstances. I would, but so and so, or such and such. Let's just say this right now as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. We will quit making excuses. Right? No more. Do excuses help? Does blaming other people for our problems, does blaming all this other, if all this other stuff would change, then we would be better? Listen, our problems, although other people do affect us, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but our problems, our problems are between us and God. He's the one that can do something about it. He's the one that can change it. He is the God of all comfort. He is the one that can give us peace. He is the one that can change our circumstances. I believe that Jesus is saying here to us today, would you be made whole? Do you want to be better? Yeah, you have these problems. Yeah, you have these issues. Yeah, you have these things. But Jesus Christ says to you today, Would you be made whole? And would we stop and say, but this, or but they, or when this changes, or when that changes, or when I have more time? Have you ever heard someone say that, when I have more time? When I have this, when I do that, when I have more money, when when things change, when... But things don't change. Now is the time to draw close to the Lord. Now is the time to live our lives in faith, and step out by faith, and get all that God has for us. And they're going into the promised land. You know one of the funniest stories in the Bible is back to the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt. And God is doing all these miracles and sending the plagues and things into Egypt to cause Pharaoh to allow his people to go, right? And one of those plagues, one of those plagues is they, they multiplied the frogs. Frogs by the multitude, the Bible says, were coming out of the rivers and filling the people's houses in Egypt. And 
there's several funny parts to this story. But the next one is, is uh, Pharaoh had his magicians do the same thing. And I thought, you know, what did that prove? You just multiplied your problem that you brought more frogs into the land, right? And so he calls for Moses and Aaron, and they come in, and he says, listen, I want the frogs out. And Moses says, what? I can get the frogs out when you want them gone. And he says, tomorrow. You know, tomorrow. I want the frogs out tomorrow. So it's like, I'm going to live one more day with these frogs in the house. And stepping on them. And in the private, it was all over the place, right? And I'm going to live one more day. Listen, we're here in church. We're here now. The Lord's with us. The Lord hears our prayers. Let's decide right now. I'm not going to say tomorrow. I'm not going to say tomorrow. I'm going to go to the Lord today and say, Lord, here's my problem. I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to expect you. I'm going to anticipate you working in my life. And I'm done worrying about it. I'm done trying to fix it. I'm done trying to change my spouse. I'm done trying to change other people. I'm done trying to do all these things, God. I'm putting it on you. I'm trusting you. I'm going to take it to you in prayer. I'm going to believe you by faith. And I'm going to have fun. And God, you take care of the frogs today. I don't want another night with those frogs. So what's he say? Jesus says to him, Take up thy bed and walk. Thankfully, the guy didn't. Thankfully, the guy didn't say, but I can't. Right? The guy didn't. He took up his bed and walked. You know what this is? This is action. I, listen, our Christianity has to stop from theory to action. It has to. It has to, stop, it has to go from just here, and it's got to go through us and out here. Right? And out our feet. And turn into men and women of doing. Men and women of faith are men and women of action. And that's a fact. Because when we believe God, it'll change our, the, way we, the way we live. We'll step out by faith. We'll start moving by faith. We'll go forward in faith. We'll, we'll continually push off the fear and trust God and believe God. The unknown. It's like those lepers. It was what, about a year ago or six, six months ago, uh, Brian Hargis was here and he preached the message. What, what, what was the title of it? Uh, get moving or die in place, right? And he preached about those two lepers, or the four lepers. I'm confused now. I think there was four. They were outside of Jerusalem, right? And they said, we can either sit here and die or we can go out and see if maybe God would deliver us. That's what we got to do. We got to step out by faith. He said, the unknown is scary. Yeah. But it's, listen, think about it. When we step out by faith into the unknown, that's when we get to see God work. That when we take the step that He puts it right in front of us and the door opens, right? You say, I'm waiting on an open door. Take a step. And God will open the door. The direction that He's taking you, the way that He's going. Listen, God, did God ultimately deliver Joshua and the nation of Israel from every one of their enemies into the promised land? Did He or did He not? He did. As they went to each city, God would deliver them. But he didn't until they went. He didn't deliver them until they went. He delivered them once they stepped out by faith and went in to those battles. That's what we have to do today. Draw nigh to God. The Bible says, draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Jesus Christ has proven himself by his works, by his miracles. 
by the things that He's done, by the things that He's done in our lives. So the call for us today is walk to the one that can do something about our problems. Listen, we have a tendency when things go wrong, when we have problems in our life, to tell everybody else, don't we? This is what's going on. This is what's, and it's, you know, it's good to have friends and good to have people pray for you and to help you. But ultimately, who can make a difference? Ultimately, it's God that makes a difference. Take our cares. The Bible says, casting all your care upon Him for what? He careth for you. Do you want to see God at work in your life? Of course you do. It's like saying, wilt thou be made whole, right? Of course we do. We want to see God working on it. You know what makes God move? You know what makes God move in our life? Faith. Faith. Faith moves God. Faith pleases God. So just believe Him. Just trust Him. In other words, wait on Him in anticipation and expectation. God, you're going to show up. God, you're going to be with me this week. Why? Because I'm yours and you are mine and I'm focused on you and I'm trusting in you and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm dependent completely upon you, Lord. And my goodness, you know what will happen when that happens? One person on fire, one person believing God through trouble, one person trusting God through their tribulation and problems and just says, you know what? Yeah, I'm in trouble, but God will help me. You know what that does? That is a testimony for everybody else. It like, catches on fire, doesn't it? It's like, my goodness, that person should be scared to death, but yet they're moving forward, but yet they're trusting God, but yet they're going on. Cry out to Him in prayer. He hears our prayers. I believe, and I'm guilty of this, I believe that, that prayer is powerful. I believe it. I believe it moves God. And how, how I heard someone say not too long ago, if we, if we prayed as much as we worried, think of what would get done. Prayer works. Take this to the Lord in prayer. Go to Him in expectation. Go to Him in faith. Go to Him believing. Even in the problems that we're facing right now, even in the things that you're looking at, even in your future, even in your direction, in in your daily life, go to Him and believe that He is my deliverer. He is my Savior. He is working it out as I speak. Rejoice. Give thanks for His deliverance, His salvation, for the past works that He's done. Listen, if the nation of Israel would have remembered what He had just done to Pharaoh, they probably wouldn't have listened to the ten negative spies. Quit listening to everybody else and count your blessings. Look what God has done for me in the past and how He has opened doors and closed doors and directed me then. Let me ask you this as we close. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we know that there's hurting people around us. God, we know that we ourselves go through troubles and tribulation. But God, help us run to you. Help us believe in you. Help us trust in you. God, help us not to just sit around and think things are going to change without our trusting and stepping out by faith. God, help us all to go to you in, in trouble in temptation, in pain, for salvation. God, you are our all in all. You are everything to us, God. Please uh, help us as a church to be men and women of faith, to have that spirit like Joshua and Caleb to say, God, 
If you've called us to the promised land, you'll take us there. And so we're stepping out by faith and going the direction that you've called us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.